Okay, there you go. Alright, so, back to 3, 2, 1, get loose now. Alright. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this Deletionmyth live stream, episode 138, on the 18th of November, 2017, year of our Lord. Oh, whatever date you prefer to say it's from, I don't care. Whatever's up to you, kids. Because I'm Alex Garthon Marsh, and with me, as always, is the talented, the lovely, the sensual Brett Heathen Dog Grissomer. Hello, everyone. Ooh, that got me excited right there. I gotta say. <laughs> there you go. How are you doing today, Gartha? Ah, uh, doing better now. After that little hello, I'm doing pretty good today. Gotta say, gotta say. Uh, let's go and let's see what we look like. Oh, that's us. Hey, Yay. I look kind of bleached out. That's all right. Yellow on yellow. It's a good look. Yep. Yep. So here we are again, everyone. Going to talk about the wonderful things we always talk about and things we aren't. Yeah. Now, come on, that was pretty good. You left that me hanging. Good. You left that me hanging. Good. I got nothing. Sorry, ah, Sorry about that. Like a blind man clinging on the edge of a cliff. Falling to my doom. All right, here we go. Today we're going to talk about Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma. He's going to talk the classic World of Darkness backstory winner, Demon the Fallen. That's right. That's a story. Love it to death. Love it to death. It's not like a world. It's just a story. Well, no, no. It's It's in the World of Darkness. It's in the, the classic World of Darkness, but it was one of the ancillary, like the, uh, like the okay. throwaway, like, you know, like Changeling and Wraith and Mummy. You know, it wasn't the big three. Were those so really, oh, I guess those were throwaway. They got their own books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Changeling was big, though, wasn't it? Changeling had like a big hardcover Ch- Changeling book. Changeling was, was the biggest of the offshoot books, but it was nowhere near anything like Vampire, Werewolf, yeah. and Mage. Yeah, because like yeah. Wraith and no one cared about. No. No, and Mummy was just kind of dumb. Mummy was really dumb. It was funny, really. It was yeah. kind of amusing. Ah, then in Garthon's combo, we're talking about Superman, Batman, and Dr. Afra. Because I haven't talked about that in a while. No, no, Dr. Afra's been as- absent from this stream for quite a while. I'm talking about Superman and Batman too much, though, recently. But there's usually something to talk about Batman, that's why they're there. Well, there's a lot going on in Superman right now, so I get it. Yeah. yeah. And there's something going on in Batman, but we'll talk about it. Okay. And in the RNG, we're going to talk about, at Heathen Dog's suggestion, hmm. Legion of Myths' favorite tabletop games. Now, after no, some what? debate, it was decided we all couldn't choose Monopoly or Risk <laughs> or Sorry. So we had to say, all right, we had to take those off the table to stop any fights. Nice. True. I wanted to do Pop-O-Matic Trouble, but I was told we'd just start the debate all over again. Uh, well, it, my, my pick was either that or Mousetrap. So it was... Oh, my, yeah. Yeah, you can't do Mousetrap. There's too much debate right there. I know, right? Ugh. Next thing you know, like, oh, that he, no, then... it's, it's it's all racial oppression and it's my Well, next thing you know, Max is like, Mousetrap's my favorite too, and then there's a fight and can't do it. So those have to be taken off the board. True. Off the tabletop, one could say. Boom. Boom. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about our disclaimer. Mm. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual host or commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make a 
effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere. There may be the occasions of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Remember, kids, being with Legion of Myth is still safer than being with your favorite celebrity or senator. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, as always, you can like, subscribe, or comment uh, via Twitch, YouTube, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Facebook Messenger. Join our Steam group. Get the audio version through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, or find podcast aggregators everywhere. And we'll be going over this again later. So take notes now, but you can always come back to this slide or just hang on. If you want to support Legion Myth, you can do so through a Twitch TV subscription, a Patreon subscription, a Streamlabs donation directly through PayPal, or getting our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com to wear some wonderful swag like the Heathen Dog has or the Garthon under my Starfleet bathrobe. Command Gold. Just saying. That's right. TOS. No red shirt for you. No, not until uh, not until next gen. I'll go Command Red. Command <laughs> That's right. Maroon. Not until next gen. That's, That's true. right. Well, I guess in the movies they had the uh, the Monster Maroons, you know. Yeah. That's all right. So, without further ado, I give you Heathen Dog's World of Darkness, classic World of Darkness backstory winner, Demon. All right. Now, I want to preface this that uh, uh, this is my my favorite backstory, not my favorite game. There are problems with it. Uh, it, it didn't get the love that that vampire werewolf and mage got, so it didn't get second, third, fourth editions. So it's uh, the rules are a little rough. Well, you know, I mean, like in a lot of games, in first edition, they're willing to take more risks and do wacky yeah. stuff like this. Well, no, no. What what they did was they just copied the rules, uh, basically from the 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 first edition, classic World of Darkness, which had problems, which were fixed in second and fourth edition. But the, the demon line didn't get enough love. It, it didn't get those fixes. So gameplay-wise, not as good. But the backstory is mean, amazing. It's hard enough to get your mom to let you buy D in Dungeons & Dragons. When you start saying, so Jimmy dear, what game would you want to play? I want to play Demon the Fallen, Mommy. Uh, let's uh, talk with the priest instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get some holy water. <laughs> Power of Christ compels it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the particulars this this particular game. Let's do uh, that. The publisher, obviously, White Wolf Publishing. Uh, publication date was November 2002. And uh, the designers, Michael B. Lee, Steve Kenson, Lucien Solban. That's a good name. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Stoltze, uh, Adam Tinworth, uh, Pauline Benny. Now, uh, if you want to get this yourself, which I hope that you will, uh, you can get the PDF for about 18 bucks. Oh, they still sell and the PDF. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And a hardcover. <laughs> A hardcover book for thirty, which is unheard of. Is that off now, eBay or through the website? No, that's just through the website right yeah, here. Yeah, that's pretty will, good. Yeah, if if you are watching this on YouTube, the both of those links will be in the description below, so you'll be able to click on them and just go and purchase these things. Because hopefully, if you haven't heard about this, it will pique your interest. Now, I, before I continue, I want to preface that this deals with uh, origin myth. Okay. Pertaining to Christianity, Judaism. So, if you're easily offended by something like that, it you doesn't. Probably, exactly if you're easily follow. offended, you probably aren't playing a game called Demon the Fallen anyway. You're and you're probably not interested. But it, I, I, I'm telling you right now, if I had the ability to believe in a higher being, this backstory would be my Bible. <laughs> Serious. You believe in me, don't you? I believe in you, but Very not as then. a supreme deity. Well, anyway, not supreme. There you go. Let, let's let's talk about how it all began. 
Okay, now usually in these creation myths, God created the universe. Ooh. Well, that's not true. He didn't actually do that. Oh. Not in Demon of the Fallen, anyway. He created the angels. All right? They came first. Now, their job was, and of course is, continue to this day, to create and then govern all of reality. That was, that was their sole job. They are servants of the Lord. This is what they do. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, why didn't God just, you know, ta-da. And there is, just like it says in the Bible, God wanted light and there was light and it was good. Well, you, uh, it, it, it starts to get uh, a little wonky because God is infinite. He is everything. If he created something himself, it would not be discreet from him. It would be a part of him, therefore it would still be him. So he needed to make a buffer between him and the universe. So he created the angels, which were a part of him, servants without, without uh, you know, souls of their own. You know, they're, they're all, all of their parts are, are written and played, you know, to because they are part of God's grand plan type thing. But if they created the universe, the universe is now separate entity from God, and therefore later on people can now have free will but that that was that was the whole reason why he uh, he created angels first not the universe first that's how they explain the book makes sense yeah which i like it's nice now the angels created the universe did, did all that good stuff created the world created the plants created the animals created the stars the moon the all the other stars the sun everything and then god said okay now i want you to create humans here's the blueprint Make him exactly like this. Go. So I know did. this image. Where did I know this image from? Uh, it's in the credits. Looks a lot like Deanna Troy. <laughs> it's not Deanna Troy, but it is. It is in the credits. Anyway, uh, so they they created man exactly as God wanted created, and unlike the angels, God commanded that humans would have a soul and free will and the ability to expand beyond their initial parameters that is grow and change mentally and physically throughout time and like, still be immortal like the google ai yeah okay now after this was done the angels said all right we did it we did it exactly like you wanted god commanded that two instructions this was it this was the last time god spoke to anyone well up until a certain point. Those are the last time, these last instructions God gave about, about humans. You love them. You never reveal yourselves to them. Ever. Unless he says so. True. That's it. That's the only rules you got. Follow them. And so the angels did. They did. I mean, uh, if, if the humans were going to be in danger, they would, behind the scenes, make it so that that danger would either be mitigated or or uh, completely removed from the equation, or the humans went another way, or whatever. You know that they, they would they would love them and protect them throughout the entirety of the the universe. It's kind of sweet. Which, yeah, which which at, at this point is forever. The universe lasts forever. There is no there is no entropy in the universe yet. None. All right. Now, over the eons that this has gone on, uh, the the angels knew the potential of humans, knew it because they're the ones who built the blueprint into them. They knew humans had the ability to understand art, creativity, 
love, compassion, grief, uh, uh, happiness, all these things, but they just did it. I mean, every day the angels would look and they'd be like, Oh, there's Adam taking a pee again. There's, there's Eve look, looking for fruit. Uh, they're, they're walking the same Valley and not looking at the pretty flowers cause they don't care. And then when they get tired, they sleep when they not tired, they wake up and they walk again when they're yeah, hungry. They pretty eat. much, you know, they have no desires or needs. They just kind of hang out and say, Hey, I'm tired. I'll sleep here. By this brook it's nice here no they no no they, they don't they, it, the thought process isn't even that i mean that would mean they're innocent no they're dumb <laughs> no seriously uh the angels are like dude we we built you i mean a baby a baby had had better learning capacity than adam and eve over these eons of existence so this basically kind of almost animal intellect this kind of yes. exists and mill around. Exactly. They look for even food. though, even though the angels built them for more, per God's design, built them for more, but they just never did it. Well, there's no reason to. There's no stimulus. There's no stressor to make them evolve. They're just gonna chill out and do nothing. There you go. There you go. But the angels couldn't do anything about it. But they tried. There was one angel, Raphael, who spent, who uh, uh, went to one of the one of the angelic seers. Now, once once human beings were introduced in the equation randomness be, became possible in the universe all right so so some angels uh their job was to look ahead in the future humanity's future to see if they're going to be any danger so angels have time to you know fix it to protect them well one one of these angels said okay in a hundred years adam and eve are going to be walking through this valley Raphael said oh crap i got an idea so he went through uh, he went through all of the of the of the seven heavenly uh, heavenly hosts, and he devised a plan. He had the 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 angels of the earth form uh, form ridges in the canyon just right. The the angels of the wind to 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 make the wind blow in just the right way. The angels of the wild to to grow trees there from the side to uh, to uh, so the leaves would rustle in just the right way and and bring birds the exact right birds that have the exact right tones at the exact right time and the angels of the light and, and the angels of the sky to make sure that the clouds reflected the light in such a way that it would create a symphony, a visual and auditory symphony, unlike anything there has ever been or will be again. Nice. The hundred years comes Adam and Eve walk through this valley and everything goes off without a hitch. They hear and see the most beautiful sight any human being ever has or ever will see, ever. Guess what they did? Uh, I'm guessing they uh, nestled in the grass for some apples and sat down and went to sleep. Very close. Uh, Eve checked the trees for apples, didn't find any, kept walking. Adam took one of the chirping birds, snapped its neck, cooked it and ate it, and then walked away. That's what happened. Yep. And all the angels went, oh, But they did nothing because they still love them and they had their, their two directives. They love to love them and never show their presence. So they got to work behind the scenes as best they can, even though day in and day out, they are not, not disappointed in humans, 
disappointed in themselves because they can't do more. All right. Then it brings us to an angel, an, uh, an angel who, who one of the seer angels I spoke of, Aramel. He foresaw in the future a disaster. Now he couldn't tell when the disaster was going to happen. He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't tell what it was. He had to invent a word for it because the word doom didn't exist until then. He foresaw doom to humanity. Well, he told his bosses. Right, his bosses says, "Don't worry, everything's fine. We'll 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 deal with it when it comes." Aramel's like, what? We've always dealt with problems with the humans by seeing what in the future what's going to happen and mitigating it and changing changing their course or changing the landscape, whatever, so they don't hit that problem. But we literally can't do that now because not only don't we know when it's going to happen, we don't know what it is. And it's freaking doom. Which is bad. Even if we lose one of them, guess what? We failed. <laughs> we had one job. We had one job. We freaking failed that job. He couldn't, he, he couldn't stop. So he went, he didn't go, he went to a superior. Superior said, nah, let it go. Not, not quite so dismissively, but God has a plan type, let it go. Yeah. So he, he went to his, his, uh, his, uh, not, not, not subordinates, but, uh, uh, peers. And he said, listen, this is what I saw. I'm going to show you what I saw. And all of his peers also looked in the future and saw the same thing. Like, oh my God, what are you going to do about this? Well, lots of other angels got in this conversation. And so now this there's this conversation that lasted an untold amount of time. Some said we have to follow God's orders to the letter. We have to love them and we cannot reveal ourselves no matter what. And the other angels were like, but if we do that, they could die. There's two orders. Which one has precedent? Both of these things can't be absolute if following both of these things gets humanity killed. Remember, doom. So this ha this went on and on and on. The debate went on until in walked the boss. Lucifer, archangel, seraph of the morning, first angel of the first house, voice of God the most high. This guy... All right, he would say he's the angel of light is is a gross mis misunderstanding of what he is. He he represents every spectrum, every temperature, every hue of light. When he walks into a room, everything else dims in deference to him. He is the only angel that God has ever spoke to directly. So everyone bowed when he walked in he was uninvited they didn't want him there because he's like the big boss you know no we're not we're just going to discuss this we're not talking about the big boss because we're, we're, we're talking about possibly trans transgressing against god but lucifer walks in and goes aramel tell me what you've seen so showed aramel showed lucifer the vision he's like hmm i understand okay so we have two choices we do something or we do nothing. It's basically it. Well, Lucifer, what, what does God say? 
God, God has not spoken to me since, uh, since he gave me those two commandments to give to all of you, the love them and never reveal yourself. No, no, nothing will move him. So we have to make this decision. Well, Lucifer, what do you think we should do? I think we should, uh, we should do something. I, I think we should reveal ourselves to them. Some of the other angels went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sir, Lord, buddy, time out. What the what? And he's like, listen, the way I see it, we either take this from a stance of strength or a stance of weakness. I would, I would end my own existence if I did nothing and humanity were to fall. My grief and pain would be so great. And if I were to do something and save humanity, I would gladly take punishment from the God on high. Because what is love without self-sacrifice is nothing. I would gladly take that punishment. So I choose strength. And one third of the heavenly host sided with Lucifer. And so we go down to the paradise of human awakening. Now, the rebel angels appeared before Adam and Eve. Not all at once, that would freak them out. They'd lose their, they'd lose their you know, little tiny dumb marbles. No, they, they appeared one at a time and they taught them everything. Okay, now, this is a lever. You know, they have to start with that. Yeah. This is a wheel. You know, they have to start slow because they don't know anything, you know? So they started slow and over, over time, and uh, this uh, this is conceptual time, all right? So it could be five days, it could be one night, it could be a million years. This, this is before time mattered because everything was immortal. Right. Yeah. So they taught them everything and they built cities and they taught them about sex. So Adam and Eve started having kids and multiplying and, and humanity was in its first golden age. And they, they didn't, and they revered the angels as humanity's greatest friends. And everyone was happy. Everyone was super cool. Everything was great. It was all, it was all coming up humans and rebel angels all day long. And then the other shoe drops. Well, yeah. And in comes the new boss, Michael. Archangel, seraph of the flaming sword, angel of the first house, voice of God most high. That's right. Lucifer was fired from the title of voice of God most high. Oh, and, My and Michael used to be an angel of an aspect of light. Now he is, he is the angel, he is the archangel of light and fire. And the flaming so, sword. Yes, flaming sword, exactly. Now, uh, the heavenly, the 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 re the, the non-rebel heavenly host came and came, came down to earth, and the rebel host, including Lucifer, stood in front of their human charges and said, "Okay, what's up?" And Michael said, "God is displeased; his anger is insurmountable, but so is his compassion. So you have a choice: you can surrender." Go unto God most high and be unmade, or you can be punished. Isn't being unmade a punishment? Just, just That's saying. exactly what Lucifer said. Lucifer went, hang on a minute. 
hang on a minute. I'm doing the math here. Being unmade is worse than being punished. What? And Michael went, no. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. You just wait, kid. No, you don't want that. You don't You don't want the punishment. Dude, you, you so want the unmaking. Just take it. Just take it. And a couple of angels did. A couple of durable angels went, okay, you know what? We we said that we were that we would take punishment for doing this. So they, they, they started to walk on over or fly off, fly on up to to go back to heaven and be unmade. And then the humans that that the uh, that the rebel angels have taught and nurtured for this untold amount of time, the humans went, Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, 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 stop. Because you know, they, they can see all the angels now because they're now awakened. Uh Mike, uh, Archangel Michael, uh, we understand that you two are an angel, but these are our friends. They have helped us. They have they have helped us grow. They have done nothing but love us. We want nothing bad to come to them. We love them as they love us. And this emboldened the rebel angels. Like, okay, no. You know what? We choose punishment. We are not going to abandon the humans we love and that love us. We're going to stay. And Michael says, all right. And with, with the power of God flowing through him, he renamed the rebel angels. He renamed them from angels to demons. Now, uh, uh, this is an actual renaming. It changes your, it, it, it changes your, it, your essential being which means now they are cut off from God. They are no longer God's servants, so God's power no longer flows to them. They are bereft of all of their angelic power, and they fall to earth. Now, normally, that would be it. That'd be the end. They're just, you know, humans with wings. That's all the power they have. But they found out very, very quickly, because, because the humans love them, that they can have a middleman to the power of God. And that is the immutable connection of the human soul to the Almighty, to the power of the Almighty. They can attach themselves to a human, and the human can feed them the power, or in this game what they call faith, that they used to get from God and restore themselves to their angelic glory. And that's exactly what they did. And then the Age of Wrath began, the war between the rebel angels, now demons, and the heavenly host. Yeah, I would assume now, that uh, the little workaround was not pleasing to the angels. No, no, no. To the to the to Michael was like, oh man, okay, now I got to fight. Now so, I got to row my boat ashore and go with some butt. Yeah. So so now uh, my, Michael Michael descends as Lucifer rises again, and challenges Lucifer to a fight. Now. It's, it's important to explain the way the universe is at this time, all right? The universe is, at this time, multi-layered. Now, if you, if you compare it to the universe we live in right now, it is single-layered. Like, uh, the, the, the screen you're watching this on is just a screen. Right. This is just a microphone. This is a bottle with some lemonade in it, all right? But... In, in the universe before the calamity, everything had multiple layers. This is a microphone. It is also 
in itself a song. It is the concept of a recording. It is also a, a health helpful spirit passing on messages in the ether. It is all of those things all at once at the same time. The universe was perfect because it embodied everything all at once. Now, I, I, I preface that because I wanted, I wanted you to understand that when Michael drew his flaming sword, he didn't just draw a flaming sword. Sure, it was a sword. It was also the concept of a sword. It was the idea of sharp. It was a nuclear reaction. It was quantum physics. It was the heart of a star. It was the concept of pain. It was a hundred different things. And all the rebel angels, because war had not been thought of yet until God told the heavenly host that you might have to go to war, so make weapons, didn't have weapons and armor. But a, a lower level angel, angel, a reaper angel, his whole job was to kill things that were, that were sick and dying to make room for, for new things to grow. He threw Lucifer his scythe. Now, this scythe had two, maybe three levels of reality. Even getting near Michael's sword would just obliterate this weak little thing. When Lucifer and Michael met in combat, light itself froze, not knowing which master to bow to. Their powers were equal. But Michael had the much stronger weapon, so he should have had the advantage, but Michael was new to his power. He used brute force, whereas Lucifer has had power since the beginning, since literally before the beginning of the universe. He was much more subtle, more, more, more dexterous, able to use subterfuge, tactics. And so he won the duel. Now, no one was hurt. The concept of death had not happened yet, had not been even thought of. I thought you said the there was just a guy who killed things. Well, no, 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 no. That, that that wasn't that was the concept of renewal. Oh, okay. Okay. It was it was it was a it was the idea of the idea of death as taking someone's life. Not happening. That's murder or killing. No, reaping is alleviating suffering, or making way for more things to grow. Fair enough. Okay. So when it became apparent that Lucifer could harm Michael before Michael could harm Lucifer, the duel was over. And then Lucifer said, we, we are staying and we now, we now have, have power and please, we don't want to fight. And Michael said, well, it's not up to you. It's, it's up to God. And God says, we're going to fight. So that's when the war started. Now the that's called the age of wrath, the age of wrath, uh, started where angel angel against angel at first humanity was left out of it all right now what's really what's really important to note just before the, the the real fighting started right after the duel michael said to you humans you all have a choice the angels have made their choice we're going to war the angels have made their choice but you humans have a choice come with us be returned to your innocence dumb and you will be you will be forever protected most of the humans went no 
I'm pretty good here, thanks. I'm pretty good. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. But some humans went, okay, you know what? You angels are cool, Lucifer. You've been, like, super cool all the time. But this is God we're talking about. All right? God wants this to happen, so we're going over here. So a very small portion. Well, there's always the, someone's going to take you up on it. Exactly. A very, very small, small portion went with the angels. Now, what the rebel, what, what the newly minted devils, demons, saw at this point was that the heavenly host started surrounding the, uh, the the humans that were that were defecting back in a protective bulwark fashion, and this insulted the devils because they were like, it would never even have occurred to them to attack a human, to cause damage to a human. That's insane. It's so insane that they would never have thought of it until it looked like they alluded to it. It was inconceivable. Exactly. Literally inconceivable until they saw maybe that's what these angels were thinking. But that's not what they were thinking. They were protecting humanity from what was coming next. Disco. God. Oh, God. Touched the universe. And in doing so, he freaking wrecked the joint. Well, yeah. He wrecked it. The infinite had touched the finite and the finite broke. Well, now, yeah. Now electrons wobble in their orbit. Now the universe will will one will one day burn out into heat death. It it was a grievous wound that the universe will bleed from until it dies from it. Just because God touched it ever so gently with his finger. In the bad way. <laughs> well, there is no really touching gave it. The good the bad, gave it the bad touch. Yeah, gave it the bad touch. That's basically it. And and then the the, the age of wrath began. Now, at first uh, angels would fight until it was apparent one of them was going to lose, and then that person would give up and be held prisoner until freed by his fellows at some point in the future. It was actually humans who later decided to join the war who taught the angels about murder. Cain and, yeah. Abel, Cain and Abel, the very first murderers, taught the angels about killing. Yeah, human power. Exactly. And so then the angels started killing each other. More efficient that way. Now here, here is now. It was the rebel angels who started killing first, and they killed a lot of the celestial hosts because uh, before the the celestial hosts started killing. <laughs> so celestial hosts figured out what was going on. Like, hey, you, you seen Jimmy? No, I ain't seen Jimmy since we went to the war. Yeah, we freed all the prisoners. They didn't see him there. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh well, uh, <laughs> maybe he's on vacation. No, no, Jimmy gone. Jimmy gone. All right, now. Uh, here's where the problem came in. It looks like the rebels were going to win, except that humanity had advanced so much that they stopped having complete faith in in the rebel angels and started having more faith in themselves. So the rebel angels started to get weaker and weaker. It's like the end of Act Razor. What's that? I say it's like the end of Act Razor, the video game. Never mind. Okay, yeah. And so the the rebel angels were overpowered, and this was the punishment God was talking about. God in what was left that was, that was not anything, the, the nothing. Remember in the beginning, there was him and nothing. Right. And he had the angels create the universe out of that nothing. Well, there was some nothing left over. We had some angels create something else, a barrier of nothing inside and threw the devils in it. Think about that. I'll teach him. A universe where literally nothing exists. Literally nothing except you. 
the the only thing that mars the nothingness is your awareness of it now after a couple hours would you be crying after a couple days i see you nuts after a while would would you would you be laughing hysterically after a couple of years would you be insane now it took longer because angels in in this in this instance devils demons have been around for eons so it took longer for them to go insane but they did they went nutter butters all of them now uh that's that is the backstory of how it happened is i left a lot of it out because there's too much to do i have to go into some of the rules i have to go on the rules now all right let's now, do that all right the, the the system is basically the same as as a first edition vampire it there are, it's it's a, it's a d10 based system you have your nature and demeanor which uh your if you follow your nature you get back your temporary willpower you have attributes and abilities uh, you have advantages, backgrounds, lores. Lores are the the powers of uh, devils, uh, demons. Sorry, and you have your your vir your virtues, just like just like vampires do. Your courage, your conscience, and your um, blanking. Doesn't matter. I have to move willpower? on. Willpower? No. Uh, will 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 you have your willpower of a one one to ten? You start at five, just like vampire. But unlike any other system, you have two two specific traits: faith and torment. And I'm going to explain those uh, in a moment. But you have your health levels, and you have, of course, your rule of one. Where if you roll a one, not only do that, not only does that automatically fail, but it takes away a success. You roll a ten, you get to roll that again. If you get a success, you get to add that to your total, stuff like that. Now, faith. It is the measure of a power, the amount of power, kind of like battery juice, that a demon has. All right. All right. Uh, you start off in the game with three. You can buy more during character creation with freebie points or taking flaws. But your your highest amount of faith you can possibly have is ten. Oh, and it's temporary. That is your yeah. There is a per, there is a there is a permanent stat and a temporary stat. Your temporary stat is used to fuel your abilities. Makes sense. Some abilities only require you to have at least one temporary faith. And you can use the abilities. Some abilities are much more powerful, require you to expend a point of temporary faith. Now, the only way to get, get faith back, just like back in the old days, you have to make a pact with a human, and every day at dawn, you will get faith through the human soul from God, the source, into you to refill your temporary pool up to your permanent maximum. Sounds like a pain. It is a pain. It's tough. You know, it's it's a hard knock life being a demon. Well, I gotta think you're like, yeah, see what your face like. I want girls to like me, and you're like, oh god, this again. No, 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 no. He can make that happen for you. <laughs> he can make that happen because making a deal with a human. Let let's say a human, normal humans have a faith of two. All right. Okay. Now, uh, a demon can take one half, rounded up, of a human's faith. Okay, for themselves every day at the dawn of wherever the human is. Not not the dawn where you are, the dawn where the human is. Gasplay two K forces. It is a pain. You have to spare your use of faith. Yes, you have to. You have to. You have to hoard it. You have to hoard that stuff. Now, you can use the remainder of the human's faith to augment the fit, the human's abilities, to make him walk again, to make him see again, to to give him some of your innate powers, which I will go into later, obviously on the slide. 
to give him access to some of your lures, which are your angelic powers. So I want this girl to like me. There is an angelic power f- uh, to to pr- a power of persuasion. Sweet. He he could give that. He could bestow that as part of the deal. Interesting. Exactly. Now, now there's torment. Okay. Torment is the level of corruption. Now, every demon fresh out of the abyss has a torment level of 10. You are bat crap crazy. You've been in there eons in nothingness. You're nutter butters. Now, you need to find a vessel. You need to find a vessel now because the abyss is pulling you back in. That's where God wants you. That's where you belong. Uh, as as just like in Happy Gilmore, the hole is your home. Go to your home. <laughs> Are you too good for your home? Exactly. So the abyss is pulling you back. You need an anchor. Well, the, the, the best one is a person, but not anyone will do. The, the, the person has a soul. The soul is already inhabiting that body. You can't just eject it. Okay, so you have to find someone whose soul is tethered to their body in such a weak way that they're barely alive. Heavy drug addicts, um, broken down alcoholic cops, high school teachers, shop teachers, (laughs) shop teachers, especially shop teachers, especially people like that. People who (laughs) life has ground down to almost nothing to the nub. You can go to that tether in between their body and their soul and just blow it away and jump right in. Now, this has the effect of bringing down your torment level from 10 uh, player characters start at either a four or a five because the, the human's memories kind of uh, put a, put a wall in between your memories of the abyss. So you come back to sanity, thanks to the human being's memories. Awful as they were. (laughs) Still better than the abyss. Infinitely better than the memories of the abyss. So you you come back to a measure of sanity. Now, your level of torment actually affects what you you look like in your your angelic form and, and how your powers work, which I will get to later. Now, revelation. Revelation is if you're using angelic powers and humans are around, they have a chance to see what you truly are because you are, you are using, uh, you're using the, the power of God in front of them. Even if it's in a very subtle way, they have a chance. If it's in a subtle way, their chance is like target number 10. They're, and they get it like four successes, so they're not going to do it. But you get enough people in the same place who see you like, you know, throw out the, the angelic version of a fireball then they're all going to go oh dude, that, that's an angel and well bad things happen again i'm going to get that later on now the innate powers if you have a single point of temporary faith left even one you have all of these powers at all times you are immune to mind control and possession of any kind convenient any kind uh vampiric powers that affect your mind pff, bounce off Mage powers so. that affect your mind. Pling! Bounce off. Aww. Yeah. Oh, mages can manipulate creation. Not on that level. Yeah. The These demons actually created creation. Your amateur hour. Come on. Your amateur hour, mages. Get over it. Okay? Invocation. 
This is the ability of someone to call your celestial name. You will know exactly where they are. You will know exactly what they're saying. You can, uh, and sometimes you can see through their eyes and hear through their ears. And then if you have the right, the right powers and abilities, go to them instantly wherever they are. This is really good if, if one of your thralls, the guys you have packed with, is in danger. Because if he dies, you don't get faith every, every, every day anymore. Mm, so you probably be, want to protect it. Right? That could be bad, yeah. yeah. Supernatural awareness. As long as you have a single point of faith. And when I mean supernatural awareness, I mean everything. You are aware of everything. You walk in the hospital, you turn this thing on, you know exactly who died here, when, why, how, uh, you, uh, the aura of sadness or happiness. You know when any kind of supernatural power is happening, has happened in the last few days, depending on number of successes, where it is, how far away. Uh, Gaspoy is saying that there's actually some good parallels between Mage the Ascension and Demon the Fallen. There, there is. There Would is. you say and, that the rules for Demon the Fallen follow more closely to Mage or Vampire then? Well, no. Uh, Demon, uh, the, the Demon the Fallen, the story came about because of the main classic World of Darkness storyline. The sixth Maelstrom, which, which uh, heralded the beginning of the end of the classic World of Darkness line, actually made cracks in the gates of the Abyss to allow these demons to come to Earth. Oh, good for them. So yeah, so it's it's it, there. It's it's tied very closely to the, the the big three, right? The vampire, werewolf, and mage. Now, uh, his his specific question: uh, Mage, ascension, and demon have good parallels. They uh, they they do in in the fact that uh, uh, both of them uh, uh, deal with uh, changing reality. Now, oh no 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 no, both deal with reality. Whereas the mage changes reality, a, uh, a, a, a demon's power actually is reality. He, there is no paradox because angels created the universe. They get a pass. They can create giant pillars of flame, turn cities into salt. And There's reality goes, yep. Reality goes, right. well, you're supposed to do that. Yeah, that's what you were made for. Okay, I get it. Whereas a mage cannot do that without getting just the most giant smacked out ever. Uh, mortals seeing you use your powers for a mage very bad super paradox action for a demon the worst thing that could happen is the power doesn't work that's it that's the worst thing that could happen you get you get a uh, 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 20 hardcore atheistic scientists in the same room and and you try and create a pillar of flame their disbelief in god and in angels and demons is so great, it could cancel your power. Mm. You could lose successes to the point where it doesn't work. That is the worst that could happen. The absolute worst. You still you just sound like you're an idiot. Yeah, you just uh, now, now now you look like a tool. I shall call you the know? flames. Really? Go ahead. And I'm right, calling them. I'm trying. Yeah, that's, I, that's, dang it. That's, that's what I thought. A second ago. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And that that's fun. Now, uh, the next power is agelessness. Now, in, in the book, it's not very specific, okay? Um, it says that the human host does not feel the ravages of age. Some people say that means they do age physically, but they don't lose stats because of age, because of age-based progression. I say they are fixed at the age they're at when they, when they were possessed by the demon. Makes sense. Yeah. And... 
if you lose that temporary faith, if you have no faith left, all your innate powers cease to work. The very moment you get one point of temporary faith or more, they all instantly turn back on. That's how it works. Gotta have minimum power level. Keeps the lights on. Yeah, okay. Uh, Pax Federaca says, well, that's true in the in the rolling verse, too, since the Ministry of Magic coming down on you behind... Okay, yeah. Well, it's sort of, except that in the Potter world, the problem is that mages will self-police. In Maze of the Ascension, reality itself smacks you around. Yeah, reality smacks you down. You can't... You can hide from the mages. You cannot hide from reality. No, you can't hide from reality. Now, uh... We're going real long. I go, go. We're, we're going into the apocalyptic forms. Now, these are the two forms a demon can can uh, can uh, change into, depending on their level of torment. All right. If if their torment level is is relatively low or very low, they look like the picture on the left. They look angelic. They they they, they look like a mere shadow of their former self, but still. Uh, inspires awe in, in mortals that see it. If their torment is relatively high or high, then you get the one on the right. And they inspire fear and... Well, not really where you want to go. Yeah, not, not really places you want to go. Fear and, and pants-wetting shame in, in any mortal that, that sees it. And your, your, your apocalyptic form gives you, gives you bonuses... Uh, to to your stats, to to soaking. Le- you now now you can soak lethal damage. Sometimes you can even regenerate. It it, it it all it all depends on on which of the seven houses you originally came from. That that is your base apocalyptic form. Now I didn't get into the seven houses because they literally no time. And I have to go to sample powers right now. Now, uh, for example, the lore of the fundament. Okay, one of those powers is called manipulate acceleration. Okay, you can you can increase the speed of your movement, but not only that, you increase your melee and and or throwing damage because each success you roll in your manipulate acceleration gives you automatic damage successes. Damn. In punching and throwing because you have accelerated not only just yourself like vampiric celerity, but vampiric celerity actually, if you think about it, breaks physics because. Right. Yeah, you're 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 moving three times faster, but you're still punching at the same. I want you to think of the flash, where he's punching faster and because of that harder. But also think of Cannonball from from the Marvel universe, where uh, for that moment that you're punching him, your fist is invulnerable to that extra damage, that extra power you're putting into it. It's all channeled into your opponent. So that is extremely powerful, powerful ability. Then there is the oh oh, and then there's the high torment, the high torment version. Uh, like if you have a high if you have a high enough torment, your powers are are uh, warped, they're they're defiled. As you're moving, you burn the air. You're moving so quickly, the air around you burns, and everything around you takes damage. Flat, flammable things, light mortals, you know, take uh, take 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 uh, levels of damage, stuff like that. Uh, lore of humanity, the power of confession. When you use it, a mortal, uh, who's the subject, answers all the questions you ask him truthfully and then won't remember the conversation after you're done. Just he answers truthfully. I mean, he gets to resist, but it's target number eight, and it's normal normal uh, human willpower is between a four and a five. Huh. So you're probably rolling more dice. So, yeah. 
Now, the high torment version, you can only pull out things that either the victim feels guilty for or believes is evil that he has done or is going to do. You can't pull out anything else of that. All right. Now, Lore of the Celestials, Fire of Heaven, a blast of pure white angelic fire from your hands to your target. Horrible aggravated damage. If a mage tried this, reality would smack him so hard his mother would feel it. But no, that's fine. Now, uh, the High Torment version, he can't, he can't help but turn this into an area effect based on him. So everything around him, up to uh, the yards equal to his permanent faith score, instantly bursts into this blinding white angelic flame or red demonic flame in uh, in this instance. But it, it, it does the same amount of damage, which is horrible. Yeah, too many heavy, heavy metal albums do that. Exactly right. Now, Lore of Longing. Uh, inspire, the power Inspire. Uh, you can increase a mortal's mental or social attributes up to their maximum, which is five, for a number of days. Days. This is great. You can turn someone from a blithering idiot to an Einsteinian genius. That'd be nice. Or some someone from a a, a, a stumbling, uh, uh, awkward moron to Don Juan. That'd be good too. Well, the High Torment version does that for you, but also gives them a random derangement. Like Maybe, being in love with pigeons? No, like OCD or uh, being in love with, say, inanimate objects. Or pigeons? Or... Uh, um, having to kill small animals. Come on, I'm making a Tesla joke here. Go, I know you're making a Tesla there. joke. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going more dark with this because it's supposed to be dark. He married a pigeon. And Duncan Idaho likes Garthon's idea. Of course you are, your teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that is uh, that is my very truncated <laughs> view uh, of, of Demon the Fall. Like I said, the, I spent most of the time with the backstory, and there was more. Ain't no time there for bird love. More. But, oh, like I said, it easily favorite backstory in the whole classic World of Darkness. I love this game. I've run it. I've played it. And in, in both instances, I had a great time, and you will too. And it's on the cheap. 18 bucks, 30 bucks. you can get this game. That's pretty good. I recommend it. All right. Thank you very yeah. much, Heathen Dog. That was in-depth, but not in-depth enough. You should have split it into two parts. That's all I'm saying. It's true, yeah. Oh, saying. and uh, what do we got today? Oh, no, not this part. Oh, this is the good part. Now it's time for Heathen Dog the Fallen. Heathen Dog the Fallen. Remember remember last time I had the, the uh, green stuff? And it wasn't that bad, you said. It wasn't that bad. Now I have uh, the same thing, Buzz Balls. Uh, chocolate version. That just sounds so bad. It any, looks like it looks like bright. Any chocolate flavored drink is wrong. Oh gosh! I remember when I was a kid, my mom bought a bunch of diet chocolate soda. By the end of the second, I actually ended up kind of liking it. It was very strange. Smells like. Hmm. Smells like Nestle. Nestle quick. Well, drink it quickly then. Oh, <laughs> oh! Why do you? Nope, nope. It it doesn't taste like Nestle Quick. It, it kind it of tastes like, uh, tastes like a YooHoo and really, really bad rot gut hooch. Which is oh. probably what it is. Most likely, but I gotta push <laughs> through. I gotta push through. 
if you want more Heathen Dog, if he survives, check out more Heathen Dog on his anime and RPG oh. segments and his team-ups with Garthon. Uh, when the Foundry is active, we do Star Trek Online Foundry missions, and when it's not, we do Secret World Legends, which has been going pretty good, I think. Mm, yes, I think so, too. Check out Past Dreams, where he plays through his buck, Fast but Cool, the most unhealthy potato-shaped Starfleet officer who is not a race that's oh. supposed to be potato-shaped. I'm sorry, Garthon, I have to interject uh, just for a second. For uh, For all the people here, uh, this is an alcoholic drink, by the way, Gas Boy. This is 17% alcohol. Um, uh, I I want to I want to thank everyone here, and if if you came here be, because strictly because of the World of Darkness stuff, thank you very much. Uh, if you look on YouTube, you can see our past streams. Every yep. other week, I, I do a different RPG. I've done Mage the Ascension, Mage of the Awakening. I've done Vampire First Edition, Vampire Fourth Edition. I've done uh, Earth Dawn, Shadowrun. So please. Please look at all of those. You haven't Check done Werewolf. No, it's, I've never played or run Werewolf. All right, tell you what. I'll do Werewolf and you do comic books. We'll okay. switch it up one week. Switch it up one week. I'll, that's what I'll do. <laughs> Came here through the Reddit link. Internet well, high five. Thank you, thank you very much. Hey. I appreciate that. Do we play the RPGs? Yes, we do on occasion. Not recently. Oh, yes. Oh yes, oh yes. No, I like I said, I've played and run vampire. I've played and run mage. Uh, I've actually run mage where where uh, Garthon has been has been a player in that campaign. It was my campaign. Everyone just joined it, and ruined it, got oh, me there killed. You go. That's what happened. Got That's me killed. Happened. And I have played and run Demon the Fallen. Uh all right, and also check out Heathen Dog streaming Monday and Thursday at twelve noon Central. Currently doing Monopoly Plus. And victory on hard mode, two hours, two minutes, and 57 seconds. Nice. That's really good. Yep. You can check that out. Yes, we do play these games on Twitch. Uh, We actually have a stream, Gas Boy, every single day at some time on Twitch. Every uh, day. Yeah, Monday through Friday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, of course, tonight we have have the the live stream, 8. You're already here. You already know that time. And uh, on, on Sundays... Uh, Garthon plays at uh, ten it? Eastern, uh, ten, ten Eastern, nine Central. Yep. Ten, ten Eastern, nine Central. Yep. Currently playing War Machine Tactics. War Machine Tactics. That's right. All right. Thank you, Heathen Dogger. No, uh, no, the RPGs uh, we don't. No, we, we we've don't. discussed we don't it though. Anything. That might happen. We have talked about it, and uh, uh, we're kind of mulling it around. Where it, that that that's something that may come out in the new, in the next year. Yes. Yes. That's that's yes. part of our secret plans, which now yes. you force us to reveal. <laughs> All right, so moving on. We're going to talk about comic books, baby. Garthon's comic pull. Garthon pulls comics. He reads them. He tells you about them so you can have opinions. Impress your friends. Amaze your coworkers. Attract the ladies. All right, well, one of those might happen. The third one, at least. De- definitely, definitely the third one. Gas Boy volunteers to be a player. Ooh. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> well, uh, g- give give us a follow, and uh, we will uh, we will hit you up. Uh, and we will uh, see your credentials we, uh, in in the coming months when we uh, try and set this up. All right. First, we're going to talk about Superman number thirty-five, uh, written by Patrick Leeson and Peter K. Tomasi. Artist is Travis Moore, Steven Segovia, and Art Thiebert. Duncan Idaho volunteers as well. Uh, colors. No, today... no, but he volunteers as a virgin sacrifice. I don't think you qualify. Well, it does with RPGs of that oh, kind. Okay, fair enough. 
Uh, the, this alternate cover is done by Renato Guedes. Uh, this is obviously a Justice League movie tie-in cover. My review of that movie is forthcoming next week. By then, you'll already have known whatever else things. But who cares? That's what's happening. Deal with it. So, let's talk about what happens in this book. Uh, last issue, Superman... His son, John, his wife, Lois, had been boom-tubed to Apocalypse so that Lex Luthor could get out of being their god and tell them, no, no, Superman's your real god. Later, peace. Um, he did that. This issue has Superman saying, uh, no, I'm not your god. I don't want to be your god. Lex, we have to have a talk. Uh, to which uh, the people of Apocalypse are letting him know kind of that uh, no is not an answer. Apocalypse is gone. It's been prophesied that Superman will be their new god. And... Uh, they're not taking no for an answer. Yeah. Uh, so they run like hell. Um, they end up shooting out Lex Luthor's boot. So Superman has to like help push him along while flying. Uh, they One of the interesting parts is they actually shoot a boom helmet over Superman's head, which uh, when they activate it, will boom tube him back to them. But he has Lex Luthor with him who deactivates it, throws it at a parademon, sends the parademon back instead. But eventually they do managed to catch up to them. While this is going on, all of the different houses of Apocalypse are kind of meeting together to discuss who's going to be in charge. Because these people, the uh, the faction prophet's leaders. followers, the faction, basically is like, oh, Superman will be our god. He is hope. It is great. And so was like, that's not happening. Lex is like, really, Supes? I remember you saying that that big S on your chest stands for hope. Look at Apocalypse. Look at all these hopeless people. Look at how they look to you as the one thing that could save them. That sounds like they need hope far more than in Metropolis. And so the scene where you got to be mad at Lex, but he's also right. Mm. I mean, he's, he's a super D-bag, but he's hardly ever 100% wrong. This is actually one of my favorite points about uh, modern Lex Luthor's writing. Ever since Forever Evil a few years ago. Every time they write Lex Luthor, he's never like, oh, yeah, I will destroy you, Superman. He's always saying something like this. And you always got to say, he is right, though. You know, he's a jerk and he's evil. Yep. But he is right. Uh, my favorite, this is just a throwback to Forever Evil. My favorite part under the new, how Lex is written modern times, is when he figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. He actually had a bunch of, like, socialite, you know, some socialite magazine on his desk. He threw some papers down and it covered like the top half of his head. And he went, wait a minute. No, that can't. He said like covering it up. I can't believe I didn't see this all these years. <laughs> Just, he does like, oh, come on. So, uh, but anyway, that was brilliant. Anyway, if you ever get a chance to read Forever, the Forever Evil series, uh, I highly suggest getting the trade paperback of that. It's one of my favorite Lex Luthor Justice League stories ever. Okay. But back to Superman, which is going well. Uh, Lois has joined Granny Goodness and her marauders, uh, mainly out of self-defense, because when they all got sent to Apocalypse, they got to fight up. Uh, this issue, actually see what happens to John, where the, uh, what do they call them, the feral wolves? Anyway, these people have these giant evil Apocalypse wolves. They're starving, and they're just trying to fight, like, they're going to hunt John even for food. They're trying for what to do, and they're forced to actually start eating their own dogs. And John kind of sees this happening. He's like, I can't let them do that. It's just, what would what would Dad do? And he's like, no matter how dangerous, Dad would rescue these poor animals. So he actually goes in there 
rescues the dogs and because the dogs are these are crazy apocalypse hell dogs and they're pretty they're giant and pretty smart they realize hey this kid's helping us we will join with him and defeat our former masters and recognize him as our new pack leader because he has laser eyes and cold breath and sounds legit yeah so that's what he's, so he's depleting them but as all the like granted goodness but back to the factions coming together the prophets want superman to be their god granted goodness is like Oh, hell no. We should be in charge because you suck. Calabac, uh, Apocalypse's son, is like, no, I'm going to take this giant laser, tap into the core of our planet, blow a hole in it because I know our father is trapped in the core. And everyone's like, no one can survive that. That's death. So he's not there and you're an idiot. And if you keep doing this, you're going to crack the core of the planet and let the, the fires of Apocalypse out and it'll be dark here because there's no sun. To which he replies, nah, it'll be fine. I'm going to do it again. They're like, no, don't. No, I do it again. And at this point, Superman's like, hey, if you if you free me from where you guys imprison me here temporarily, I can do some extra vision. You've actually caused a bunch of cracks in, in your core, and uh, I can fix that. If you just let me go, then we'll talk about the profit thing later. But for right now, I could save the planet if you just... And, and at that point, John and his uh, wolf people attack. They're like, ah! And turns into a giant melee. Everything starts going to hell. Calabac says, you know what? Screw all you people. He grabs the gun, turns to Max, shoots the planet core again, and puts out the fires of Apocalypse. Ooh, ouch. So everything kind of goes dark and grinds to a halt. And everyone kind of has this look on his face like, you idiot. He's like, ha ha ha. Suck it, Chuck. Where's your hope now? It's like, that's... You, you, you killed yourself too, you dummy. I mean, that's... Like the old joke, you know, here's your canoe, pal. You know, he doesn't care. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the super family is reunited at the end, which is nice. But they're kind of in a situation like, oh, hell, this is the worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, well, the, how, how many issues have they been apart? Three, four? Uh, only two. The, really? It was just two? It was just two issues. It was at least three. No, it's just two. They actually got back oh. together. See, that's my only real complaint with the stories. They got back together really quick. Oh, okay. But right. it was quick enough. It made sense. You didn't need to belabor the point. Duck Idaho, where's your god now? Oh, standing with a big S on his chest. Forgot about that. Right there. Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. kind of what's going to happen at this point. Where Lex is like, oh, yes, Superman, you saved him. Oh, I guess I'll just leave back for Earth. You light these fires again. Bye-bye, <laughs> then. Bye-bye, <laughs> then. I'll look after Metropolis for you. <laughs> Family's all together. See, so you're all safe. Um, there actually is a part of this issue where he's like, you brought my whole family here. Lex is like, whoa, if you had just gone to the, like I told you, this wouldn't have happened. That's on you, man kind of true but he's still wrong but anyway so i really enjoyed the story uh very much leaves at a cliffhanger where like everything is hosed and superman's mm-hmm. gonna have to save the day and become the god of apocalypse or something well uh, that's probably not gonna happen to be fair i mean probably um, not he'll I'm, find a I'm, way I'm I'm, I'm 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 using my uh uh crystal ball here i'm thinking that maybe that's not gonna happen yeah i'm thinking not but we'll see what happens because i've really enjoyed the storyline so far uh Patrick Leeson and Peter K. Tomasi have done a great run with Superman, so I've really enjoyed it. Um, this issue, I'll give four stars to you. It, it wow. moved at That's a really it. quick pace, but the art was spot on. Um, Travis Morris, he was going to Art Thiebert. The colors were fantastic, especially you see that huge transition when uh, the fires went out. Um, great pains were drawn. Well, they did draw people in pain. But what, um, scenes are set up very nicely. There's a lot going on, but everything's too confusing. All the characters have clear voices. So really just an all-out great comic series. Okay. 
duck and eye noses. Lex, I'll be sure to pick up some milk on my back. It's soy. So it's better for you than skim, farm boy. <laughs> Gotta add the farm boy. Well, oh, Lex... there's, there's no way Clark drinks skim milk. It's whole milk or nothing. Yeah, he, Come on. he drinks, I think maybe 2%, but yeah. Actually, there actually was a cover of Superman that got uh, banned. They actually pulled it from the shelves. Why? Because it showed, it was actually a great scene. It was Clark Kent and his dad on the farm, like leaning on a fence like farmers do, and in, in his hand he has a beer. He has a beer bottle to put in his fingers like a farmer would do after a hard day's work. Sure. It's a great cover. But if you went, Superman has a beer! Ah! And so they had to yank the cover immediately. Whatever. Yeah, that's, what I, that's pretty much like every adult just went, whatever. But there's some whiner out there. My son saw Superman holding a beer, and now he's a drunk, and he's eight years old. You know. So. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. Anyway, that's it for Superman, number 35. Batman, number 35. It's strange. They're celebrating 800 issues, but it's only issue 35. I think they're lying. That's referencing just how many issues of, of Detective Comics, Batman, all that have been together. Uh, been inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, since... Unlike Marvel, who are in the 900s and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think Superman should be darn near 1,000. That is oh. much older than the Marvel books. Sure. Anyway, uh, Batman 35, written by Tom King. Please stop writing, Batman. Uh, artist Joel Jones, you're okay. Uh, colors for Jordi Belair. You're pretty. You're you're really fond of brown. And uh, the cover. This is the alternate cover uh, by Tony Estiani on Tom O'Mori. I like it. Yeah, it looks good. like he just finished carving the number 800, then decided to pose in front of it and let the bats out. You know, for their evening fly. Yeah, like it's just it's like the whole wedding thing. Okay, now release the doves. Yeah. Now it's like oh no, release the bats. Release the bats. All right, so in this lovely story, we are still inside. Oh, what do they call this dumb? I don't. The rules of engagement, part three. Collecting my thoughts. Okay. We've established that Batman has asked Catwoman to marry him, and for some mysterious reason, they have to go into this weird desert prison thing. I guess that the Justice League won't let anyone into, but they Batman goes anyway because inside of it is Talia Al Ghul and her all-female host of love slaves or assassins or something. It's not quite clear. It could be all of them. And it's known that Talia Al Ghul is the mother of Batman's son Damien. Right. Um. So anyway, they're going in there. And you don't know why you're guessing that maybe Batman they feels get some, some need. kind of weird divorce. Yeah, they were never married. They had a well, kid together. You know, maybe if you have a kid together in, in, in Talia Al Ghul's situation, that means something. Or you steal some sperm and make a weird clone baby. And then we're now hitched. I don't know. I, that, I don't know. She, Talia Al Ghul's nuts. And... She's yeah, she's crazy. So who who knows? Like if, if if she tries to if he tries to marry Selena Kyle and then Talia Al Ghul hears about it, like no no we we have a child together which we we are bonded forever so I have to kill her. Yeah, some he's crazy. Try, he's thing. probably trying to forestall that nonsense yep. from happening. So they've gone in there. They've met up with Talia Al Ghul. Talia Al Ghul has basically said, "I'm Talia Al Ghul. Who is this idiot? She's my fiance." He's like, "Whatever." And then she immediately starts stabbing Batman in the side. Wow. Which worked. Because wow, apparently yeah. Batman all of a sudden forgot how to fight. 
Um, so Catwoman has to jump in at this point and say, no, I will fight you. It's like, you really? Really? He... It beca- it begats an interesting discussion where Talia al Ghul basically says, you know, I don't think you deserve to marry him. If he marries anyone, it's going to be me. Because he's the only man on this earth who maybe, maybe is my equal. Maybe. Barely. And that's why he should be my husband. And Catwoman said, you know, basically has a response of, he's your equal? This guy? This idiot? Okay, he's nuts. He wears a bat suit. All right? He runs around town in his freaking pajamas. And he does this in obsessive pursuit of an oath he made when he was 10. Okay? And no matter what happens in his life, no matter who he loves, what comes, what it is, no matter what it is, no matter how much he loves you, that oath he made as a 10-year-old to no one in the dark will always come before you. And he's Drops better off. than you? This crazy nut boy is your equal? You got to shoot higher than that, sister. Um, which I thought was actually a nice exchange. Yeah, it's like, yeah, what? it's a, it's a little it's a little honest. Uh, not it's not the whole truth, but it's the truth. It pretty much is. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, while all this is going on, Batman's basically going, "Ugh, I'm stabbed in the side. My bat side is bat stabbed. I'm gonna lean against this wall. All right, now I'm gonna stumble leaning against this pillar. I'm gonna go back to the wall. Ne- ne- never ever stop a girl fight." Yeah, that's pretty, there's a chick fight going on. I'm not going to stop this. I'm going to pretend I'm really hurt here. Oh, the pain. <laughs> He's probably not hurt at all. The armor completely deflected it. <laughs> just He's has just a, going, oh, oh, never stop a girl fright. He has a die pack. You know, he's okay. The bat die pack went off. He's good. <laughs> but while they're fighting, here's the thing. You know, Tali, they're getting a sword fight. And Tali starts talking about how she's been learning to sword fight. Since she, basically, she just has kind of a dark story. How after her first step, her father knocked her down as a baby and said, get up. And when she was able to do that, he threw her a sword as a toddler and had her fight for her life. Mm. Which you can imagine at first did not go very well for her being a toddler. She got killed. He would throw her in the Lazarus pit. And when she woke up and alive, he tossed her a sword again. And if that didn't work, well, she'd wake up in the Lazarus pit again. Screaming in pain. There's more efficient ways to teach someone to fight. You would think. Maybe he was kind of rushing yeah, yeah, things. At first, at first you, you, you give them the basics. And right. then when they die, you resurrect them. Did you learn something? I learned not to die. Well, I guess that's lesson one. Try again. Yeah, I would you think know? that you know, you'd want to wait till they could effectively hold their bladder before worrying about sword fighting and assassin <laughs> skills. Think, what do yeah. I know? What Actually, do I know? no, you, 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 just, uh, you just said something that's been on my mind for a couple minutes now. I have to use the little heathen dog's room. Yeah, I go. I don't need you anyway. Anyway, Aww. no, I need you so much. But use the, use the heathen dog room. Blank out your okay, camera. You. So, they're fighting. And they both go into, like, Tali has to go to this huge speech about what an awesome sword fighter she is. And Cat was like, yeah, I think I've held one of these twice. Am I doing okay? And that's a problem. Well, this is my bad blood. It's red. Her life flicker the splash off on his hands rolled down the stairs while dressed as the Easter Bunny. April's sort of the same. Oh, God. Thank you, Duncan Idaho. <laughs> so, Catwoman is sword fighting Tali al Ghul on equal grounds. That is bull in a million ways. Tali al Ghul, in a sword fight, should kill Catwoman in about five seconds. There's no way. No way. No way. 
it basically ends, if you can call it that, with uh, uh, well, first Talia knocks down Catwoman's about to stab her, but she does the whole grab the sword, let her hands bleed because she's so freaking awesome, and pushes the punches her back with her own sword angle, which and then stabs her in the side with her own sword. Doesn't kill her, wounds her. Which is freaking stupid. Okay. Unless Tally was letting her do that. That was dumb. And I never recall Catwoman being so badass. She doesn't care about grabbing blades with her hands and cutting them to the bone. Which is what it would take to hold a sword from going and stabbing you. The way she was doing it. And apparently learned she's doing all this to find some strung out blonde chick who I don't remember ever before in the story. But Catwoman is has been accused of 237 murders. All these murders were apparently done by this blonde chick who they don't even name. And Catwoman took the rap for her. I don't know why. And I don't know why she's freaking with Talia al Ghul in a desert thing in the middle of nowhere. It makes no damn sense. Any of it. And why... So basically so Catwoman could ask her nicely to go and admit to these murders to take the murder rap off of her. I guess that way... I'm, the only reason I'm guessing that's happening is so when Bruce Wayne marries Selina Kyle, they can't say, didn't she marry to murder 237 people? You know, it's ridiculous. Especially if they knew Selina Kyle's Catwoman. If they don't know Selina Kyle's Catwoman, Catwoman took the blame for their murders, who cares? It's all ridiculous. So, Duncan says it sounds like a blood retcon. That's what it sounds like to me as well, Duncan Idaho. So, this basically boils down to Tom King needs to stop riding Batman. He's not good at it. He's not good at it. He has some good ideas. I'm not going to say there weren't ideas that were good. You know? It's like, oh, that's a neat idea. That's kind of a neat idea. But then the way it's all strung out is like, oh, God, really? That's every single Tom King story. And especially when you contrast this to what's going on in Detective Comics or what's going on with uh, Batman White Knight with the Joker angle, which is brilliant, this book looks worse and worse. Mm -hmm. The art matches the story. It's not bad. But it's rough, but it, it works for the energy they're trying to portray. It, it's not bad. Uh, the exactly. colors, I don't know if Jordy here is just trying to really capture being inside of a stone place with stone floors and stone roofs with stone-colored torches, and so everything's brown or a different shade of brown, except for Batman, who's gray and black. But mm. it's really boring. Really boring. The fight scenes have some okay energy, but they're kind of dull. Mm -hmm. So, all in all, this book is... And other, I, I liked the dialogue between Tali and Catwoman. Sort of. It's like, oh, that's kind of funny. Or, oh, that's kind of like, when Cat was saying this guy's crazy, I liked that. When yeah, it, was, was, it, was, it was like a, a shining moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like... Was... Yeah, it was not worth, you know, digging through that oatmeal to find that marble. Oh, so it, it sounds like this is going to be a two. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's about where we are. We are at, eh, that's the wrong button. Two stars for Batman number 35. I'm sorry, it's not that great. It's kind of it's dumb. There's a B story about uh, Damien, who's the current Robin, and Dick Grayson, who they keep calling Richard because I don't want to call him Dick, um, sitting outside of the stone place where Tali Ghoul is because they're not allowed in, and like talking about their feelings, which are 
Really boring feelings, by the way. I mean really boring. <laughs> I'm sorry to make fun of a child's feelings, but your feelings are boring. And I don't care. And you're badly drawn, so I don't want to look at you. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, two stars. Some people, I'm going to say that some people are going to love this issue. Just because it has Talia al Ghul and Catwoman sword fighting. Okay. If you go, but that's like surface. If you start looking into what's happening in the book, it's not good. Got it. Uh, Duncan says he's getting the White Knight issues for his bro for Christmas. Sounds like they need to wrap his three. Yeah, they, yeah, White Knight is awesome. But Batman right now under Tom King has been bad since the start. But I will say, this issue was free of Batman holding his side, looking down at the ground and going, ground and saying, why are always women always fighting? I'm the Batman and fights always happen around me. Why can't love be love with the Batman? Because I'm the Batman and the darkness is always there. And it's dark where bats are. So, I'm the Batman. so this so, one was strangely devoid of navel gazing? Yeah, it didn't have any navel gazing because the bare midriff, Talia and Catwoman, had oh, their own navels right. out to look at. Right, right, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. so you so says a bat navel, you had cat and assassin navel. Okay. Well, and they were doing yeah. a lot of like, my past is this is so tragic and hard as we sword fight for my boyfriend's love. That's fair. Okay. Except not really, because apparently I'm here for some other reason. Mm. Enough about this book. Don't buy it. All right, Dr. Afra number 14. You love Dr. Afra. I would be shocked if this was bad. I like Dr. Afra. I won't say love. <laughs> I loved the first 10 issues. After that, it came to story arcs. It's kind of like, eh, it's, it's not bad. But uh, written by Kieran Gillen and Cy Spurrier. Uh, artist is Emilio Liso. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. This cover is by Ashley Witter. Uh, internal art's pretty good. Uh, the artist has changed a couple times, which is usually a bad sign. Uh, but the way Marvel contracts out their writers nowadays, is kind of expected. <laughs> Doug Hido. I like soda pop. Okay. Desert wind blows through. Yeah, that's kind of how that she was. It's like, ah. Anyway, so Dr. Afra's had some wacky adventures recently. She actually had an interesting storyline going to find like an ancient Jedi AI who believed it actually was still a Jedi, even though it was reduced to like an AI and a crystal. It still has some force powers, though. But it was no. But that interesting storyline, it pretty much ended with uh, Darth Vader showing up um, and everyone going, oh, crap, it's the Empire. And the. Uh, the sentient AI Jedi saying, I am all Jedi, I'm the greatest. And Darth says, you're a parody, you're a, you're a freaking robot. And uh, crushing him to death. After a pretty interesting happens. fight. And then yeah. Darth Vader kind of walking out, like, someone clean this mess up, you know. Because he's Darth Vader, that's what he does. Yeah. But currently, uh, Dr. Aphra... Uh, wait, 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 uh, un unlike in all of the movies, Darth Vader in the comics is not a punk. No, he's a total badass. Yes, total, total badass. badass. Um... They, in the first, the Darth Vader says, I love to end it. I got to talk about this. In the first 12-issue arc of the Darth Vader comic book from a couple years ago, it has one of those beautiful lines ever where Darth Vader has crashed on some desert world. He gets surround, and immediately surrounded by the entire rebel army. And they're all pointing tanks and guns, and there's Y-wings flying overhead. And they're all like, like, they're like, you know, put down your lines, Darth Vader, you're sur surrender, you're surrounded. He kind of looks around and says, all I'm surrounded by is fear. And he lights up his lightsaber and dead men. And he proceeds to kill their army. Mm -hmm. It's the most awesome scene in any comic book. He starts grabbing Y-wings 
out of the sky and throwing them at people. And you yeah. start. <laughs> it's such great, great, because because they actually go this round. They go and they're like General Leia. We surrounded our theater. He's like, what? We surrounded him. She's like, no, run, get out of there, run away, run away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darth Gaul says he was the total baddest in Rogue One. He was. Yes, yes. I mean, he he did. He didn't have a whole lot of you know scenes, but no. the ones he did, he was just like he was like a walking force of nature. Right, which is how Darth Vader should be. Not. Yes. No! Sorry. Exactly. Prequels are terrible. Just anyway. So back to Doctor Aphra. She's been a little down on her luck. Um, she uh, In her first story arc, she actually freed two insanely evil murder droids called BT and Triple Zero. Uh, BT is like super evil C-3PO. Um, he's a, he looks like a black color C-3PO, except he's meant for human inter- cyborg interactions and torture. Um, Everyone's got to have a job. Yeah, right? He's got to have. And Triple Zero is kind of a, like an R3 unit. Except just chock full of missiles, guns, tasers, torture, that, you know, hacking. Sure. Total evil Ross, which she freed to put her her control to help her do some jobs, which worked. Except in the last story arc, she lost control of them. How? But um, the evil sentient Jedi crystal thing, mm-hmm. uh, she had control over, uh, like, robots. Mm-hmm. And... How would they? I think I said, how would they compare to HK-47? Uh, they would get along quite well, but HK-47 is actually really tame compared to these two. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. HK-47 was like, oh, can I murder them? No, no, murdering's bad. These guys would just uh, torture and murder someone, and then you know they would, then they would say, hey, where is the where's the prisoner? Oh, you'll be happy to hear you won't have to worry about him anymore. We've taken care of that issue. Here's everything he knew. You tortured him and killed him. Why, yes, you said to take care of him. I did so. No, I meant put him in his chambers. Oh, human aphorisms. I never know. <laughs> no, 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 no. You freaking knew. You freaking knew. He knew, but these these uh, droids are actually smart enough to try and find the holes in their programming and commands. Yeah. Like, the way that they managed to slip free of their control is also, like, how Darth Vader showed up at the conference they were at. Uh, in that she ordered them to, if anything goes wrong, to contact their master. And they're like, yes, yes, of course. And then she have to like loophole because temporarily for a while, their master was Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. So, hey, he was their master too. So they contacted Darth Vader. And while that was going on, they set free the evil AI who uh, freed them of their bonds. Yep. So, but they so, were free. They're like, when they were free, the, she's like, you're going to kill me. I was like, we're not going to kill you, doctor. You're too entertaining. Ta-ta. And they left. Like, oh, good, never see them again. But, so they're gone. Okay. Uh, if you look, killing other folk, most likely. Yeah. yeah. But uh, if you look at this cover, you'll see uh, behind Dr. Afro in front, there's a Empire Commander, uh, cyborg female human. She's That's been kind of like, huh? Yeah, it's a female, cyborg okay. Empire command, uh, Commander. Okay. She's actually been, over the last couple of stories, pursuing Dr. Afro and uh, has been thwarted at every turn. And the story opens up with her being uh, relieved of her shift on the bridge of a warning sector. And the guy's like, don't worry, Captain, I, I'm relieving you. And she's like, Lieutenant, you know it's Lieutenant. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot you got demoted after failing your last few missions. Whoo! You know, 
basically the guy is just another empire, just absolute jerk to her, mm-hmm. you know, condescending, mocking, like, wow, gosh, you were the fast riser in our school, as I remember. And wow, wow, all that loss of life of the empire and loss of assets and failures to capture even one silly little girl. She's like, rawr, rawr, rawr. but so yeah, she had to feel, feel a little sorry for her. Cause she really, she was the whole time. She was never evil. She was just doing her job best she could. But all of a sudden, their listing post gets attacked uh, by some super beefy, muscly cyborg female. Um, jumps off the transfer, starts shooting the place up, and they figure out that you know, she figures out pretty quickly that these people are coming after the command center. They're going to try. They're obviously have some data in this uh, listing post. She starts warning everyone that these mercenaries are attacking. When she runs to it, like, oh crap, they're not listening to me because they don't believe me anymore. The commander there is a loser who doesn't know how to act under a firefight. And you see the, the other the captain is kind of freaking out. Like, oh, lock the doors. What do we do? But they won't listen to her because she's just been demoted for failing so many times. So she's like, all right, I'll grab I'll grab that ship over there. And uh, I'll use it. And I'll attack the site. You know, basically she figures out a site plan. And she jumps in and finds Dr. Afro already sitting in there waiting for her. She jumps in, gets a gun to her face, and oh, hey, you again. And she just starts seething because she recognizes Dr. Afra as the person who just ruined her career, mm-hmm. destroyed her life, her livelihood. Sure. But she's like, hey, since you're, you're the only smart one here, aren't you? You were actually going to come here, commandeer this vehicle, and stop the assault, right? That's pretty good thinking. You're probably the only one smart enough to think of that space. So just sit down with your hands up, and uh, I won't kill you. How's that? And basically explained to her, like, look, we're just have some data here. We're going to grab the data. We're going to leave. No one has to die. Not even you. I like you a lot. I actually think you're kind of cute. So, uh, tell you what, you just kind of chill out. And they actually start having, like, a little conversation. It's kind of pretty interesting. But what is done, she's like, okay, look, we got the data. We're going to go now. We're going to take this vehicle uh, and leave. That's the plan. And she's like, well, kill me then. Like, I'm not going to kill you. Like I said, I actually kind of like you. I'm going to stun you. Uh, you tried to stop us, so it's really not your fault. And uh, you can tell them that you tried to apprehend us and you know, got the drop on you, which is true. And hopefully it doesn't hurt your career anymore. I'm sorry about that. Just try to do my, my thing. And uh, that'll be that. Everything should be fine. So she stunned her, kicks her off the ship. The cyborg, beefy cyborg chick jumps on. They start flying off. Yeehaw! It's like, see, I knew we could do this. Grab the data, and loss of life. Like, absolutely, we didn't need to kill a bunch of people. Then she pulls out this detonator, hits the button, and the whole base explodes. Killing just about what? everyone. What? And she's, and she's like, whoa, 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 we were, that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. That wasn't in the parameters. We were not supposed to be doing this. Just get in. I was hired to get in, get the data, get out. And Cyber Chick is like, yes, those are not the parameters of my mission, however. So Afrish just all kinds, she's like, I'm and she's like, if you have any difficulties, you could bring it up with the boss. And she just see her, like, seething. I would be, too. Yeah. When they get there, they get back to their home, back to their back to their big ship. And Afra has issues and begins... You see, she wants to discuss it. Uh, meanwhile, you can see that while, Af- while Afra is seething about murdering all these people, because she doesn't like that... Well, needless murder. She's not about that. Right. 
you can see that on the ground, because she was not next to the base when it would kaboom, uh, the lieutenant is just seething as well. Mm, thinking that it, this is Afra's plan the whole time. Right. Which yeah. it wasn't. No. Uh, but when they get back, Afra's freak out. It's like, I wasn't, it wasn't meant to be like this. This was a stealth mission. To which the cyborg replies, no witnesses, no evidence. That is the definition of stealth, is it not? Do you want to lodge a complaint, Dr. Afra? I, yeah, yes, I do. He just kind of sits there. You see her kind of silently crying. And then another voice, seen from another side, comes up and says, I understand you have some reservations about... No moment. Uh, reservations about your uh, impressively successful mission. You said it was minimum d damage. We fried the entire place. True. If we had told you how it was going to be, going to be you'd have argued. And so, that is fatally tiresome. Or awfully tiresome. When it comes to murdering villages of innocents, I find it best to ask forgiveness rather than ask permission. I won't do it. I won't do it as it is. I'm bad, but I'm not that brand of evil. Ah, I understand. You've reconsidered my kind officer. You'd rather the alternative. You see her kind of shake. No, it's just angry. I'll, I'll be okay. And then the, you see a black hand on her shoulder says, No, sweet chill. Say it properly. To which she says, It's okay, master. As, uh, BT, the evil murder droid, is standing over her. Ah, no. As her new master. Oh, no. Triple zeros oh, in the back. Oh, how far she has fallen. Yeah, the droid which she freed and put under uh, under a lock so it wouldn't murder her is now freed from her control and after saying he was leaving, came back and decided to uh, manipulate her. As a little payback. Wow. Yeah, he's evil. He is evil. I was, I was hoping he would just kind of go off as a side story. I found him entertaining, but oh, wow. But this is what a twist. Yeah, it is a bit of a twist. I wasn't expecting it. At first, I was like, I don't think I like that, but I think I kind of do. The more I, you think about it, the, the the cooler the possibilities get. There are some cool possibilities, but because yes. you're definitely seeing Dr. Afra confronted by like the face of evil and also the consequences of her actions from issue one. Mm -hmm. And they are not good for her. These people yep. still be alive if she hadn't done that, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's not good for the good doctor there. But I did like the story. It's well-written. Uh, the artist, uh, Emilio Liso, this is, I think, the first issue he's done of Dr. Afra, and I really like his art style. Um, it's smooth. It's beautiful. The coloring really captures that Star Wars vibe. The Empire scenes are all dark. There's some nice contrast between different places. The characters are always true to model. Um, I really enjoy this book. Um, it's the best book I read this week. Well, out of the three I'm reviewing, it's the best one. I'd say it's the best book I read this week. Uh, that's the ending surprise ending. I also like how it definitely seems they're hinting at a future where Afra and... Uh, I should look for a name. The lieutenant end up teaming up. should look up her name. Uh, Magna Tolvan. Yeah, it looks like they're looking at a relationship between them happening at some point, which I'm well, okay with. According to the cover, she looks like Tilda Swindon, so I don't. Uh, she does kind of. It's weird. Yeah, but uh, that, that, that's why I didn't. I didn't know that it was a she. <laughs> first, it's like look, look, looks like an anime dude. Well, even in the book, she kind of looks like it. Well, she right. looks she looks manlier than Griffin. Mm, mm. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, so they do some nice character building with Tovin as well. So I like, I really like this book. It has some good building moments. Definitely a building issue. 
Um, I liked the female beefy cyborg that I brought in there. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of interesting beats, a nice start to a new storyline. And it's also very much a comeuppance issue. Dr. Afra's never been evil, but she's definitely let evil happen in her wake. Right. And, and just not been said, too worried about it. Right. Until... It's kind of like, she's not doing it, so it's okay. She just kind of pretends it doesn't happen. Exactly. And now... But now it's all coming back to bite her in the ass. Yeah, now the yeah. space chicken's coming home to roost. Yeah. Uh, so, final review. Final. Um, I'll give it three and a half. Almost four. Really liked it. Didn't love it, but I really liked it. Some great moments. Definitely excellent setup. With 2% booze and a counterbalance to kill the droids. Yeah. 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 100% more Kyle Katarn. Anyway. Uh, liked it. Didn't super love it, but really liked it. Uh, Dr. Afra's been an interesting side character wholly created for the comic series. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's that. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Indeed. So, let's move on. If you want more Garthon, you can check out my comic polls. Check out my team-ups with that heathen dog character, Star Trek Online, Secret World Legends. Check out past streams. Um, I'm streaming Sunday at 9 Central, 10 Eastern at War Machine Tactics. Because I seem to be fond of the tactical games. Mm-hmm. And you can check out my past streams and such like that. We already talked about that. So, we're going to move on to the RNG. Because we are written late today. Heathen dog. We're so, doing okay. It, it is my fault. It is my fault. <laughs> I just I, like I, thought, I, I warned everyone going in. I warned everybody going in. All right. So with some RNG stuff, we have decided we are talking about our favorite tabletop games. Yes. Now, the, uh, the, this was open. I mean, completely open. Tabletop RPG, uh, tabletop uh, board game, uh, trading card game, whatever. If it was played in a freaking table, with, it, it's It it's has on. physical objects on a tabletop with your yes, friends, dice, whatever, cards, whatever. Yes. There it is. And so first we're going to start with mine. Heathen Dog's winner. Now, the reason I chose this as a winner now. Name it. Name it. Some of you may recognize it. Nightmare. Nightmare. The video board game. Now, the reason I chose it because uh, uh, once I got myself a game room, set it up with a TV and everything and and a server. This is the very first game I invited my friends over to play. We had a we had a freaking ball. It was great. First edition came out in 1991, which is the, which is what I'm talking about. VCR interactive game. I'm sure some of you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but some of you have heard of it. Some of you are old enough to have actually maybe played one. Uh, obviously, you don't need a VCR anymore. All of it's on YouTube or downloadable. So if you have the if you have the board and the stuff, you can you don't worry about your tape getting all messed up because you can just get it digitally now, just like I did. Uh, the rules are incredibly easy. Uh, you know, you go around the track until you collect keys. When you get enough keys, then you go toward the center. You have to hit it exactly. You get the center, you get a chance to win. It's great. Now, the the VCR component, you have one hour to play the game. Single hour. And once someone actually wins, they also have to get to the remote control and press pause to stop the game. If you don't make it there in time, you still don't win. If if the tape reaches the end, you lose no matter what. So that's pretty fun. But every so often, the gatekeeper, the, the, the guy you're actually playing against, 
pops in and messes with you. And I have a video about a minute and a half long of a couple of times when he pops in and starts messing with people. So, yeah, go ahead, Garth, and play that one. I told it to. Come on, go. You can do it. You can do it, Nightmare Video. It's uh, it's not doing it. I don't know why. It was working earlier. What'd you do? Okay. Is it is it uh, low on the totem pole on OBS? No, it's on the top. All right, try this again. All right, one moment. Let's try this again. Make a new one. Uh, live for your enjoyment. There we go. Here we go. Here it's. Who stand as it next? Answer me. You're going to wish it wasn't. Roll the dice. You don't hear anything. What number did you roll? Oh, never that mind. That is the number of turns you are going to miss, you maggot. Whose turn is it now? Answer me! I'd bet you'd like a key. Must have been expensive to fill. I also bet you cannot roll your number to receive one. It's an Australian one. game, by the way. I've actually Go looked on. up the history of Nightmare before. Roll the dice. What number did you roll? Is that your number, little maggot? Uh, if it's your number... I'm going to give you a key. If it's not, you're banished! <laughs> right, he's getting older. Psst. Little one. Young one. Answer me. If you succeeded, you can have a key. But if you failed, bye-bye, little one. Enjoy your fall down into the black hole. Bye-bye. And thus ends the nightmare. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, as, as the game progresses... He uh he gets uh he gets more distorted and and evil looking and the lighting changes and then you know and all that stuff. But you're so you're racing against each other to 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 get all these keys to get to the center, and you're racing against the clock because you literally have sixty minutes from the time you press play. Now, the the there's a mechanic at the end of the game where uh, you can get to the end first and still lose. Because at the end, there is a bag. And in this bag is, uh, is a whole bunch of uh, uh, grease pencil type dry erase cards. And uh, you're supposed to write your greatest fear on that card. Uh, we, we, we just wrote our names on the card. And if you, you would you reach into the bag and if you pulled out your greatest fear, or in this case, your name, you died. You put your thing back in, you mix it all up, and you sit. And you watch other people try to make it to the middle again. What if everyone so, had the same greatest fear? 
then you would die. <laughs> no one could win. No one could win. Yeah, no one could win. Or if everyone, if everyone was named Dirk. Yeah. Then no one could win. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, that never happens. So that's fine. But uh, in, uh, uh, you can get this for yourself. Uh, a full working copy on eBay for about $50. Now, like I said, you can get it for less without the tape. But like I said, you know, you can get the 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 watch it on digital YouTube. yeah, yeah you, you get the digital thing on youtube and just play it on your tv hit play on youtube and boom you're doing the game as long as you have the actual game ports so it can get as low as 20 dollars, or for a pristine edition it can get as high as 150 but for a gently used i looked it up a gently used version full with the vcr tape and everything 50 bucks there you go. There's oh, my man. winner. There you go. Good, excellent winner, Heathen Dog. Thank you. Very different than the other members. <laughs> it's true, yeah. But no, those are good memories of all that. It sounds like a fun. I've actually played similar ones. I never didn't play the first Nightmare. I played uh, it's the second or third with the old hag and stuff. Oh, the that the third one with uh, the 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 Baroness or no something no, no, like the, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I played that one. All right, moving on. Garthon's winner is War Machine First Edition. They're on Mark III now. First Edition. Uh, it was the winner of the Origins Best Fantasy Miniatures Rules of 2003 and the winner of Origins Game of the Year in 2005. Simple wow. to learn, basic rules, difficult to master because there's so damn much going on. Has interest in different factions. You can get the book, War Machine Prime First Edition, for about 15 bucks on eBay. But what about all the miniatures and stuff? Well, you know, if you actually want to play the game and not use yeah. slips of paper and actually use miniatures, um, every single miniature, from unlike other systems, from the first edition is still in play today. Hmm. So to buy a faction box, uh, which would actually give you like a good starting army, they used to yep. sell battle box, which would give you two warjacks, which are the big old stompy robots you see. Sure. Um, and a commander, uh, a war mage, who has the magic to fuel your big, stompy, magic, steampunk robots. They used to sell that. Now, nowadays, they sell what they call uh, faction boxes. I Let me uh, double check. War Machine. Well, now, I, 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 looked, I looked this up a little bit, and uh, it seems like a little bit like uh, like Warhammer or, or, or Battletech in, 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 the, in the fact that, uh, that it's a, it's a, it's a mini- miniature-based game, but... Unlike the other ones, the uh, the uh, war was it the not the warjack but the war the war master the actual war caster. caster yeah yeah the, the the war caster if if you lose the war caster just like chess if you lose your king you lose. you lose yep yeah you just lose yep so it's both the most necessary and the most vulnerable piece on the board yep and depending uh, usually your war caster is insanely powerful but every war caster is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, all the factions, the original factions were all very unique. Um, you had Kador, who was like your Mother Russia faction. Uh, color was primary color was red. All they didn't basically they were heavy jacks and light jacks. Kador did not have light jacks. All of theirs were heavy. You know, light jacks were for sissies and they didn't win wars. Heavy jacks won wars, so they only made the heaviest of jacks. Sure. Um, their light jacks were basically dudes in power armor. Steam-powered power armor. They were not happy, they were not comfortable, but they did it for their love of their mother country, for the fatherland, for Kador. 
So very much that stereotypical stoic winter, mother winter Russia. Sure. Um, uh, that's generally their faction. Then uh, there's the uh, the blue, which is Signar, who is kind of like your upright and noble faction, high technology. They actually have electricity on some of their... Their, their most high-end jack actually runs on electricity, not steam. Um, the electric weapons, they're the most... They're basically the good guys of the storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, they believe in freedom and under their king and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're the good guys. They have trenchers. They have excellent, excellent balanced. Their jacks are very balanced, right? That's their thing. So they're the most even faction. Uh, the original four factions, not including mercenaries. Uh, next was uh, Cricks, who are undead. Yeah, of course, have to have your evil undead faction. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and those they have like instead of warjacks, they have bone jacks. They actually like have pieces of dead animals as part of their warjacks. It awesome. runs on steam and evil black magic, sure, but they're also course. pirates because really? they well they started out in a series. Basically, everyone has their own territory, and mm-hmm. most of Crix's territory is a series of islands. Oh, oh, that makes sense then. Okay. Yeah, with the elder dragon. The elder, elder undead dragon showed up who created Crix first showed up. He showed up in the water. And these pirate lords went to fight him. And he basically, the, the elder dragon looked at them, breathed on them, turned them all to evil undead, and said, hey, you can continue to exist as evil undead and serve me, or I can completely wipe you out now. Twist the evil undead pirates, who you know, had immeasurable power, and went, you know, this is actually kind of cool. This is kind of what I have going for anyway. You know, I don't care about wealth so much anymore, but I want more power and souls. How can I do that? Elder Drag said, hey, follow me and be evil. And they're like, hey, undead evil. And so they went from being undead evil undead pirates to start going inland. The last faction, not counting mercenaries who aren't a real faction, uh, was my mm-hmm. favorite, the Pro- Protectorate of Menoth. Um, every game has to have your crazy, uh, crazy religious faction. That's Protectorate of Menoth. Think sure. Vatican City mixed with Mecca. Um, so they're like super religious fanatics. Inquisition gone nutters. Yeah, they're Inquisition gone nutters completely. They actually used to be part of Signar until they broke away. Because Signar was too level-headed, probably? Well, all of, all, basically by this lore, all of the world used to follow the god Menoth. Menoth was the creator of man. Menoth sure. was also a harsh god who was like, my way, basically it's a really old testament you know, screw you. I wear the highway, city yeah. to salt, burn you down, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, burn the fires, you know, kind of god. Yeah. Uh, then these people showed up, uh, talking about uh, whatever their weak-willed god is. The other god, who I don't care about. It's not Menoth, mm. it's uh, Morrow. So this, uh, these, this brother and sister started preaching about another way and uh, peace and love and getting along and not nailing people to trees for being jerks. And they went, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. There's one God, the creator of man. And he says to nail people to trees and light you on fire. Like, have you thought about not doing that and getting along with people and Mm, not being ruled by a theocracy? They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. People who are getting beaten down by the theocracy, mostly everyone, went, you know, that's not a bad idea. Theocracy went, whoa, 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 whoa. Not cool. Uh, This caused a major civil war. Um the theocracy actually lost and yet won in that they mm-hmm. lost the, they lost the crown. They lost the empire and for a while actually lost everything. But then they actually had a resurgence 
uh, and were able to take over half of the capital city and got their own protectorate. Okay. So they're the smallest faction. It's kind of like the House Liao thing from uh, Battletech. They're the smallest faction, but they're crafty. The crazy fanatical. They and, and are smart. crazy. They yeah. they've had a. But what's funny is they believe that they're mad. They're they believe magic's heretical, but they use warjacks that are fueled by faith. Really, it's magic, but they actually like cleanse it through prayer. It, they they brand it faith to get well, around the whole no magic thing. Basically, they'll they'll make it with magic, but then they cleanse it through fire and faith, and then they're able to use it. But they actually Whatever. other other factions have spells. They have spells as well, but those are all very much faith based. Um, so anyway, you have all, every faction is unique, has their own flavor. Their jacks mechanically work the same, but like Kador's jacks are all super heavy. Um, Signars are balanced. Crix has a lot of really light, fast, terrifying jacks. Uh, Minoth's jacks are generally heavy and slow. They're not the best, but they usually have like some weird special ability. Uh, like th- usually they could light things on fire. Manoth likes lighting things on fire a lot. Uh, every warcaster is unique. Every faction has several warcasters. Um, your warcasters actually control your jacks, how far they can get away from it, the magic of their field. They can boost, they cast spells to help and to hurt. Even even the infantry units from every faction are very different. Sigdar's infantry are trenchers. They could go in, they could dig in, they have rifles. Whereas Menos infantry are these guys called zealots, basically people of faith who are willing to put on a uniform, are given two day a two-day training course, how to light a grenade, and told to go. Um, Great. You have fun. Yeah. You just die for your country. Well, the thing about zealots is if they have a monolith bear with them who like basically holds like a giant symbol of Menoth, uh, you can actually use a special ability because every every single unit has a special ability. So it gets crazy. And they have to, you have to have faction cards for everything. So your zealots can actually go in use their special ability, and be invulnerable to all damage for a round. Everything. Because their faith brings them through it. So a favorite tactic was to run them in the middle of like the most dangerous thing the enemy has, go invulnerable, and then throw grenades at each other. Awesome. Cause That's an awesome tactic. Yeah. They'll be immune to the AoEs, and they'll kill everyone around them. Yeah, yeah it's a jerk move, and in Mark II, they made it so you can't do that. Aww. Yeah, jerks. <laughs> Which is kind of like, so basically seeing Mark 1, it was kind of crazy. Everything was unique. Everything was special. Which is why it, it, it was the winner in 2003 and in 2005, years right. apart. Yep. Yeah. But what started happening is they started introducing like a new faction, uh, which was already part of the lore, the elves. So they were pretty neat. But they, every time they'd add a new unit, power creeps started setting in. Where, yeah, of course. Yeah, there's always a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. it's like I have my my Manoth assassin unit, yay! And then they are introduced a new assassin unit for Kador. It's like how come they're so much better than mine? And they do the same thing, and they cost right. the same. Well, right. they invented this new ability. Crap. So, second edition cleaned up a lot of that. They made like standard abilities that a lot of units have, and mm. it kind of made things more boring. Uh, they took out a lot of the insane abilities. Like, there were, like, some crazy abilities where you could move during, like, your opponent's turn and start doing stuff. They took away almost all of that. Which mm-hmm. made it... It was a lot less wacky. Yeah, it was a lot less wacky. It was easier to predict. Yeah. And no, no, no one actually cried, oh, I don't believe that bull crap. 
but in, at the same time, it lost its flavor. Yeah, to me, it lost a lot of flavor. And then in Mark yeah. Three, they started, they did that again. They recleaned up the rules again because power creep happened yet again. And then they started adding factions. In Mark Two, they added the first faction I didn't like at all. And in Mark Three, they added another one I just hate. Mm-hmm. Um. Because this is a fantasy, steampunk, high mat, well, media magic world. Magic is held by the elite. Um, right. I mean, anyone can be born with a potentially a warcaster, and they are treasured because they're so rare. If your family has a warcaster kid, you know, you just made it big time. Because the state's going to take care of you. No matter what faction you're in, they're going to take care of you. Except maybe Menoth, because, you know, you have to give up your kid for the good of the faith. And if you live there, you say, oh, thank, thank you, Menoth, for taking away my child who is sinful with magic, but you will make them clean. You know, that kind of thing. It sucks to live in magic. I got you. They're I my got favorite you. faction, but they, it would suck to live there. Kind of like yeah. I love Skaven, but it would suck to live with them. Anyway. So uh, so your 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 favorite is the the first edition. Of yes, first edition. Excellent. Two Excellent. is boring. You're trying to speed me up. But yeah, because the point I'm trying to get to, and then I'll finish. In second edition, they added a faction called the Retribution, not the Retribution. Basically, they added a a new faction, which was more technologically advanced than Signar, who was the technologically advanced faction. Um, were religious zealots even more so than the because uh, technology was their religion. So they're technology zealots, religious zealots, which took away Menos' gig, and they had he- super heavy jacks, which was Kador's gig, and they actually did creepy stuff by taking the brains of their faithful and putting them into their war jacks. And they're basically, even their normal troops were robots who had guys brains in them, which was kind of mm. Crix's gig. Like so cops. Yeah. Basically they took every faction's gig and did it better than them. And I was like, mm. that's not cool. No. And I, they just were, they had some neat miniatures, but I didn't find them interesting. And they didn't make sense from a lore standpoint that these guys showed up. Cause that, these people are factions because they are the movers and shakers of the world. The amount of power these guys can go is incredible. And all of a sudden, these religious nuts show up from nowhere, and they're a faction? Doesn't make any sense. And then in Mark III, they added a new faction, the Grimkin, who are like crazy nightmare creatures. Well, that's Crix's gig. Well, they're not undead, though. They're like creatures from the dark side of fairy tales and nightmares. That's not War Machine! That's Malifaux. That doesn't even belong in this game. I know you're trying to do something different. It's different, but it's not fun, and it's not even in the fact. It's not part of the lore. Mm. They justify it by pointing at one spellcaster who has a kind of lore like that, but it doesn't make. You can't base a faction off. Ugh. So, first edition. You can get the book for 15 bucks. If you want the minis for a small army, you're looking at least 150 bucks. Woo! Unpainted, unassembled. I've heard it said that miniatures games are you know, the playthings of the rich. Not necessarily true. You can always get used miniatures. Find them cheap. Yep. Find a faction. And always, you know, try before you buy. If you go down to your friendly local gaming store, especially if they're having a war machine night, and you say, I'm interested in the game, someone will let you borrow some minis. And they'll probably let you win. Because if you win, you're going to come back. Yeah. First time's always free. Spend, spend the money. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But so that is my winner. First edition, War Machine. Excellent. And now I guess some other schmuck has something to say. Oh, no. Uh, I, I am patching through. Are you ready for it? I'm trying the sub-ether connection. Go! 
Uh, all right, did we get those jokers off the screen? I, I don't want—I don't want them interfering with my business here. All right. <laughs> Hello, Legionnaires. This is Max Leal from Legion of Myth, and per Heathen Dog's contractual demands, I'm here to tell you about my favorite tabletop game. With most sincere apologies to Lou Prosperity and Josh Harrison, Earthon does not make my top choice, but only by the most minute margin. If you're watching this video and you recognize my online handle, Maximilian Liao, you probably have surmised what my favorite tabletop game is. That's right, Battletech 2nd Edition, or really anything Battletech in the 3025 era. No clans, no stupid tech, no insane alpha strikes, and no artificially fast-paced game. I'm a fan of Battletech when it was actually tactical, required true heat management, and one bad round didn't normally ruin your entire game experience that day. For the role-playing nerd like me, Battletech exists in a glorious gaming universe that is both a stereotype and a meme of itself. The German production machine, Bushido Japan, Sino-Soviet, Stalinist communism, and of course your Western European good guys, among other tropes. Battletech, the game of armored combat, is played on a hex grid map using cardboard, plastic, or metal representations of 10 meter tall combat machines mostly based off the mecha of 80s and 70s Japanese anime, at least in the 3025 era. Battletech 3025 looks hard at first, but is very, very straightforward, which is one of the reasons I love it. Move your mech. Figure out the roll you need to hit based on simple movement, range, and terrain modifiers, and roll the dice and hope for the best. With more than 55 mechs from which to choose, from fast scouts to monolithic assault mechs, and the ability to create your own mech if you're an ubermensch, there's an amazing amount of variety and fun that can be had. Currently, Battletech follows the Total War rule set, but even with that much more recent addition, you can play a fantastically tactical and enjoyable 3025 era Battletech game. So you have it. Quick, down and dirty, didn't ramble on too much, I can do it now if you want, but <laughs> Battletech 3025 era. Battletech 2nd Edition, as you see behind me, that is my favorite tabletop game of all time. With that said, long live the Capellan Confederation and Zinsheng House Liao. You guys have a great day. Back to Heathen Dog and Garthon. Alright, we're back. Took over the airwaves. There you go. I like how this image uh, of the uh, original box set to that totally isn't a member of Skull Squadron in the upper right. Totally not. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Hundred percent original art. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh. You know, I I I had a uh. I I know Max is gonna hate this, but I hated the slow gameplay of this game. I really did. You know the the uh, large large uh, hit. Well, really, really small hitboxes and large uh, possible area of, of hitting, and you, you can never really aim. No matter how no matter how close you were, you never really felt like you could aim at anything. Stuff like that. I didn't I didn't like it, but I, I get the appeal. I liked. It. I get it. Okay. But you know, but I, I understand the frustration of I'm ten feet from him. Why can't I aim at his head? Yeah. Exactly. Then you have to think. Well, you're actually both moving around a lot. And your aiming systems suck. Yeah, but th these these aren't Veritech. You know, you know, he he actually alluded to this earlier. The the, the Robotech problem. Right. But uh, th these aren't Veritech that are 
that yeah, are not like hopping really around and nimble and move around a lot. These are these are you know walking tanks. Right. These things are slow lumbering. Right. They are. But also things, you have so. slow lumbering tracking and targeting, and you're constantly going kaboo, and it's like See, hard. Yeah, that to I didn't get. I mean, it, it was I, I I didn't get into it when it was new. I I I was turned on to it much much later when when targeting systems were quick you know right. well like, even then everyone had that you know well i mean even like you i i went from watching robotech to playing this game and i was like well how come they're so slow how come i can't fly how come how come they can't kick him in the head so but yeah it's a well, totally that, different that system. one that, that way you could say oh no it was the it was the uh what do you call it destroids no 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 um uh, the, the the reason Veritex are, are so nimble and quick and give you bonuses the protoculture? is because of the protoculture. Yes, thank you. Is is uh, b- because of the protoculture uh, actually. That that uh, was uh, that was not in Maycroft. Uh, I know it was in Robotech. It was in Robotech. I, I know. We we did we did. Okay, As Americans, we watched Robotech. Exactly. And who says they watched Maycroft first is. Well, modern times believable. Back in the early '80s, it was a liar. It was not believable. No, you did not. No, you did not. You yeah. watched Robotech just like everybody else. Right. Shut up. And then when you found out what the crust was, you decided you were cool. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows. Anyway. But yeah, I I like the system. It's fun. I like the the thoughtfulness. But I like tactic games. Yes. It's definitely yes. not as, an action game. As a tactical game. game, it is awesome. It's a slow gameplay, which I don't like, but it is a good tactical game. Yeah, it is rewarding solid. if you're into it. Yes. Especially like play a campaign or something. That was always really rewarding. Mm. But let's move on because we've gone long. That's the end of our RNG. Thank you for hanging out with us. Yes, if you want, thank you. you can like, subscribe, comment at here at Twitch TV slash Legion of Myth on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash look for Legion of Myth. Uh, our Reddit page, go to facebook.com. Look for Legion of Myth. You can check us out at Legion of Myth on Twitter. We will tweet you back. We do that. Twitter's not 280 characters. I don't like that. No, they changed it all up now. It's all it's all that little circle down. Yeah, I don't like you, it. You could write as much as you want, and it might go, it might not. I don't know. Don't like it. Don't <laughs> like it. It takes away the pithiness of Twitter. Just saying. <laughs> uh, Discord, face the best or check out our Steam group. Join our Steam group. It costs you nothing. And then you could look at what games the other members have and, and mock them because they need it. Well, no, mock, mock Judge you guys. Judge not, lest you I'm be fine. judged. And get the audio version of this on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play Music. Support Legion of Myth if you want to. You should. Twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. A Patreon subscription at patreon.com slash Legion of Myth. Streamlabs donations. Go to streamlabs.com slash Legion of Myth. Directly through PayPal at paypal.me slash Legion of Myth. Or getting our gear and being cool, like Garth and Heathen Dog, at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth. So, Heathen Dog, do you have any final words of wisdom for us? This this uh, buzz balls, yeah. No, don't 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 do that ever. I told you that last week. No, I'm I'm not doing it. Good. As long as you check out Max Leo and Noro streams, uh, Max streams Tuesday and Friday at 1900 Central European. Currently doing Star Wars Battlefront 2. Feel the rage at EA from across the seas. You check out his YouTube videos of playing all the way through Kings of Amalur Reckoning, the finale at 27 November 2017. Right. And Nora's playing through Nora's Arty Party World of Tanks Wednesdays at 1900 Central European. Check it out. It's everyone's favorite Japanese tanker. Thank you, everyone. Especially our subscribers Hicks206, Red Specs Gaming, 
Crew Patron Hicks206, Sheriff's Elgarian. Streamlabs, Valdahar, Erwin Rommel, the coolest hair in the magical cat girl fanboy. Special fire, the level 99 cat girl armor lover, heathen dog, and Spraypal Allen 51. Thank you so much for making this keep happening to everyone. Thank you. As always, everyone, we appreciate it. Hope you had a good time with us. We had a good time with you. Remember, you have one life. Live it well. And have a great, darling, anomaly.